Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 34. And this week, Mr. Antoine Viss and myself, the doctor, the professor. Tony, with this master's degree, should I start calling you the professor? It's up to you. Um, you know, I have some people say back on the and one tour that I, I you know, kind of played like the professor. So maybe. <laughs> 34 seconds. <laughs> well, it's episode 34, so it's, that it's that relevant. That makes sense. Oh yes, yes. Uh, that's that. That was you balling out there on the N one mixtape. You remember the N one mixtape? Those were on VHS, weren't they? I believe so. Yeah. I think that was before DVD. Oh wow, boy, we are dating ourselves there. So, uh, well, uh, the 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 black top legend himself, Tony Viss, is joining <laughs> us here this week. As we are getting ready. <laughs> oh, Man of many hats. Yes. Where'd you grow up at again? Central Iowa, small town LeGrand. Oh, LeGrand. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's not quite the uh, asphalt jungle that Sheldon, Iowa uh, is. It was. So, uh, Sheldon probably had twice as many people. <laughs> uh, 5,000. I only think we had like 1,000. So like I said, Sheldon might have had five, five times as many people. Yeah, yeah. So, And at the old Central Middle School, though, my, my uh, former ORAB classmates and, and friends from back uh, in in the big city, uh, the old Central Middle School was literally an asphalt. We had two full court asphalt basketball courts that we played there. So uh, that was oh, only wow. that was only a block away from the house that I grew up in. So um, I, I literally grew up learning how to play on the asphalt there, Tony. So scrape up the knees and everything. Yeah, Ru- we had one ruined right my modeling career. Well, what? Yeah, we had a we had a outside court right in front of our school. Gotcha. Uh, so we had to play a lot of ball there, and then we had guy in the neighborhood uh that had a lower rim so we played dunk ball at his place with his dad so yeah a lot of good memories playing hoops growing up yeah yeah uh i don't know if you heard me or not the the asphalt though i skinned up my knees which ruined my leg modeling career though oh that huh. yeah you know some people are hand models some people are <laughs> leg models <laughs> thank you george costanza <laughs> We're breaking it all out tonight. Oh, yes, we are. We are hitting the highlights. We are hitting the highlights. So, all right. Uh, well, let us let us get uh, somewhat serious here, as serious as Tony as I could get. We are going to talk about uh, AAU. Uh, we are moving into uh, the time of year that is that is dominated by the AAU circuit, especially for the next I don't know, month and a half until. Uh, just after Memorial Day, and then at that point, a lot of high school programs start, you know, doing their stuff. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules are anymore in Iowa, Tony, but for us in Nebraska, we can't start doing team activities until after Memorial Day. So up until that point, you know, any playing that our kids do for the most part is done through the AAUs, um, and you know, most of our kids right now are just doing, um, you know, just a, a couple of practices a week is all, and and just kind of getting some touches. I don't even know if they've even really started practices yet for, for a lot of our kids. Um, so, um, but it, it's it's that time, and, and I think one of the things that we need to start with, Tony, is um, as high school coaches, uh, especially if you're going to run a quality program, 
you almost have to work with your AAU. Uh, it, it is it is now become something where it is uh, it is a unified thing. It is we we are wedded together for for better or worse uh, with AAU. And I think that it's something that as high school coaches, we, we now need to not just accept, but we need to embrace that and find a way to make it work. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing, you know, before it was kind of like one of those things where, you know, like you said, you tolerate each other and it's gotten past that point. Um, I saw something on Twitter, Oh, probably a week or two ago where one of the AAU programs was talking about letting high school coaches in for free. And then, mm. you know, talking to some of the uh, parents and such that go to the AAU tournaments, our guys have been going uh, pretty hard here in, in April. I think they took Easter off, but they've played every other weekend outside of Easter. Um, but I think it's like 25 to 35 bucks a pop every time they go in there. Um, and so for that AAU program to offer high school coaches coming in for free, I thought was kind of a neat deal. And it's just one of those things where, like you said, you're, you're wedded together for better or worse, and you have to find a working relationship. It's not, you know, how do I tolerate them? It's, it's how do you work together and, and put the kid in the best possible position that you can. Well, and I think a lot of it before was, you know, it was territorial stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, high school coaches felt threatened by AAU coaches. I mean, don't you think that, Tony? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, it, it was very much territorial. And I think a part of that is, is for a variety of reasons. I mean, when you play AAU, uh, our guys will travel. Like I know next week, some of our guys are going to Arizona. Uh, they're leaving, I believe on Thursday, flying out to Arizona uh, to play in a tournament down there. You know, and it's a deal where, you know, with the AAU circuit, you get to go, you know, whether it's Chicago or Phoenix or Atlanta or wherever, but you're going across the country. You know, what, what high school kid wouldn't want to do that? And you're playing a game that you love. Um, and then on top of that, you're out during open recruiting periods. And so the AAU coaches are the ones that, that in some cases are primarily talking to the college coaches. And so now it be, definitely becomes territorial. Like, hey, this is the guy that, or, or, or gal or whatever that I've invested in and a part of my team and, and different things like that. And the high school coach, not necessarily that they're getting excluded, but they become kind of, you know, option B in this whole recruiting process at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think what we're starting to see a shift in, Tony, I don't know what it's like in your area, but now we're starting to see, uh, at least in the Omaha area, another subtle shift of there are some high school administrators who are, I don't want to say they're looking, but they're more open. And, and I would say without a doubt, I know there's one or two high school programs that have uh, that this was a driving force behind the hire was an AAU coach, an AAU coordinator. They're looking past the traditional classroom teacher and coach combination because the administrator realizes how important athletics is to the program or to the school and to the self-esteem, so to speak, of the school, the school spirit, the school culture. And they are looking at AAU coaches to – uh, come in and coach their programs in large part because they know that they are going to be around some of the top players in the area. 100%. You know, we haven't seen it in basketball much, as much here as some of the other sports, you know, like your USVBA volleyball. Um, that's a big one in terms of like club volleyball. If you can get, you know, the, the coaches of these big high power club programs here, it's something that's very impactful. Uh, you see some of the the pros, you know, whether it's a golf pro or a tennis pro, they're also heading up some of the high school programs, which, you know, that allows them to work with those athletes 
outside of the season when they go to the country club or, or whatever the case may be. Um, when I resigned my position here, uh, there were several AAU coaches that applied to become the next you know, girls basketball coach at Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And there were some that were very upset that RAD stuck with a coach slash teacher in the building uh-huh. uh, hired somebody on my staff to, to succeed me and you know and so we see that and so it's just one of those things where it's becoming more prevalent and you know part of it you know i think we have to be careful as as high school teachers and coaches to getting upset because you're finding that a lot more high school teachers don't want to do the extracurriculars anymore mm-hmm. and so in order for those kids to have an opportunity to play a high school sport, they have to reach out to the club coaches more and more often. And you've got to hire someone outside of the building because the the teachers in it no longer want to do it because of kind of that putting up with parents and some of the commitment, you know, because it's becoming more of a year round thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a uh, part of the, the, that comes along with it, yeah. you know, the, the warts and all of it that comes along with it. Yep. And, and, and so, I, I think there is, again, whether it's intentional or unintentional, uh, it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, moving forward, high school coaches are going to have to work with uh, AAU coaches. And I think AAU coaches are now starting to see to, uh, and again, it's just like with anything else, Tony, uh, most AAU, and I've said this before on the podcast, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but I know that most AAU coaches have the right uh, mission, that they want to do the right things for the kids. It's just like anything else. A small percentage of them have, you know, not the best intentions, whether it's for mm-hmm. themselves, whether it's for the kids, uh, whether it's they want to rub elbows with the big-time folks or whatever it may be. And and so we also do have to keep that in mind that most AAU coaches – now, I, I think where that gets really complicated is – is when AAU coaches are, this is their sole sole source for income. And I I think that can blur the lines of what they should and should not be doing. Um, And and I I think that's where a lot of the things that have have, uh, taken youth sports in some of the wrong directions at times, I think that's been uh, kind of one of the driving forces. Not definitely not the only driving force, but one of the driving forces. Yeah, that's definitely part of the root behind the issue. Um, but I think you brought up a good point. I mean, it's like anything. Um, most of them are good people. No doubt about that. They have the right intentions. They want to have the kid be successful. Um, it's just a little bit different. I mean, when you take a look at AAU, it's about getting your name out there. It's not necessarily about, you know, uh, the team's success and different things like that. And, you know, with AAU, it's kind of the nature of the beast. You're going to play three, four games in a day. And if you lose the first one but hey i still got like two three games left to play it's not the end of the world well with high school i mean you play a game on maybe a tuesday then you turn around and play another game on a friday and those are very very valuable but sometimes you've got those lessons oh not that big a deal we lost one we got two three left we'll maybe get you know all of those or get two out of the three or whatever the case might be um but that's just kind of the nature of the beast as far as things go and you know like you mentioned we have to be careful not to label all aau coaches a certain way because of the example of a few and you know that's kind of the same thing in in teaching and coaching i mean there's some bad apples you know teaching and there's some bad apples in high school coaching but i would hope that we don't all get lumped in there because of 
the actions of a few. Uh, exactly, exactly, Tony. So, um, so to make this work here, uh, I got about six or seven things listed here, Tony. Um, to, to make it work, to make it work for your program, to make it work for your players, to make it work uh, between you and the AAU coach, uh, I think it's important that you have conversations. I think it's important that you create relations with your local club programs, uh, if possible. I know sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Uh, but, you know, uh, my, my first thing, in, and I think as a high school coach, I think this is what you have to do. It's, it's number one on your list. You have to find the best fit, the right fit for each individual player. Uh, you know, what it's, it's, and, and it's, a, it's a great blessing. You know, 25 years ago, if you were going to, you know this just as well as I do, Tony, if you were playing AAU, you were a top, top player. You were uh, an all-state type of kid. Uh, the the AAU opportunities were greatly limited to the to, to the highest end players. You know, you fast forward twenty five years, and any kid at anywhere uh, at any point of their development can find an AAU program to play for. That's a blessing and that's a curse. And we're gonna talk. You know, that's on my list to talk about here in, in a little bit. Uh, so. There's a fit for all your players. They can find something. You need to help them find the right fit for their skill level, for their desires. Um, Maybe it's, uh, you know, they need to develop... Uh, their ball handling and, and for this team we really want them to play a lot of guard so they're handling the ball more so it's better for your high school team. Maybe they're not quite as skilled so they play on a lower level team that's not going to play at a premium circuit or whatever it may be but I think it's important that you work with your players and your families to find the right fit for them. 100% you know and the story that you were talking about earlier there weren't a lot. Uh, one of the guys that we coach with uh, he and I are roughly the same age and uh, we were driving back from somewhere and we were talking he was talking about you know the fact when he was growing up and this guy played with Al Lorenzen who played at Iowa oh yeah he was also an all-state player mm-hmm. uh, as well and and Jeff went to Western Illinois first I mean he was a division one player but he said there were like two AAU, AAU teams in the area mm-hmm. when he was growing up and you know it just a very very different and today like you're talking about I mean, there are, are club teams out there that if you want to play collegiately at a high level, D1, D2, these are kind of the ones you get funneled to because they're on the right circuits. They play in the front of the coaches and different things like that. And there are club teams out there that, hey, basketball might not be your, your jam. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be something else. But at the same time, they play. It keeps the ball in your hand so that you don't slide further back. Like, you don't love basketball. You might want to play a different sport collegiately, but it keeps a ball in your hand. Um, you play some. It keeps your skills sharp so you don't slide back. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of programs out there. And then, like you said, you can kind of, you know, with some of them determine, hey, this guy uh, needs to work on their ball handling. This guy needs to be one of the two top options. This guy uh, needs to be seen by, you know, whoever. And so you've got to become educated on the topic. doesn't mean you have to be an expert, mm-hmm. but you've got to become educated on the topic. As a coach, I mean, you have to wear a lot of different hats. You have to be educated in AAU. You have to be educated in the whole recruiting thing. You have to be educated in terms of the fundamentals of the game and different things like that. But yeah, and so you have to wear those different hats and develop relationships and make sure you introduce yourself yeah. and you know so that you are able to give the best advice to your players and your families to put them in the best possible position for what they want. Mm-hmm. What else you got, Tony? Uh, what's on your list? 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that we take a look at here and just in the past, uh, recently, the past few years, and John has, has done a really good job. Uh, he helps coach a, a, a AAU team, uh, Martin Brothers, which is basically based out of Cedar Falls. Uh, but we also have an AAU team here in Cedar Rapids, Team Iowa. And John has a really good relationship with the person that runs it and then also a good relationship uh, with the people that own the building and stuff. And so what we've done is we've established a relationship with them. We practice there from time to time. Uh-huh. And then on top of that, um, towards the end of June, we'll run a two-day team camp out of their facility and just have a good working relationship with them. So it goes beyond just introducing yourself and being cordial, but actually working together. Yeah. And so that that's a part of, I think, that's very, very helpful where, hey, we got a high school team here in Cedar Rapids. We've got an AAU team based out of Cedar Rapids, and we work together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that really helps the kids feel comfortable that it's not pitting one against the other and putting them in the middle. Yeah. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. I got, uh, my, my next thing is the financial considerations, you know, yeah. uh, along with, you know, the playing time or the, the, the playing circumstances, what you're going to be in, what fits the kid. I, I think it's important that you explain the financial situation to the parents. Um, you know, what, what should you be spending uh, on your, you know, you know, I, I know that, for example, sometimes parents spend so much money chasing the scholarship that if they'd have just taken all that money that they spent on chasing the scholarship, they could have paid for everything and then some for their kids' education. I understand they want to pursue something that they're passionate about. There's lessons to be learned, so forth and so on. And I'm not saying that that's not important, but, you know, just as an example, I, I know that's that's part of the equation. So you also have to take a look at your family and say, uh, hey, you know, is this the right thing? Uh, you could spend, you know, you could basically get the same thing at this club and pay five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars less, and you're basically getting the same type of environment, the same type of competition. Maybe you should look at doing something here like this. So again, that kind of goes back to your your research, Tony, and and knowing the clubs, knowing who they are, and and helping your parents make those quality decisions for themselves, so they don't feel. Uh, I mean. Finances are tough for 99% of our families, and most of us are on a budget. So it's it's a good thing that we can do to help families out with knowing the financial considerations of these situations as well. Yeah, there are definitely uh, varying degrees. You know, the program that I was talking about that John's a part of, um, basically, they pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sponsored I'm trying to remember if it's by Nike or Adidas, but they're sponsored by one of the big shoe companies. And so they take care of everything. Like when they go places, um, unless it's, you know, I, I, I guess even when it's a thousand plus miles, they have a bus that they take. Like you, oh, wow. 
hop on the bus. The bus takes you there. I think it takes at least two of the teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's there's that type of thing where you can get the sponsored ones. There's others um, that it's considerably less, and there's others that you know it's going to be thousands of dollars. But I thought one of the points that you brought up that was really important there is that you know I understand some of the same things you're talking about, passion to play basketball and stuff like that. But the one thing I would caution parents on is that athletics should not be about chasing that scholarship. There, mm-hmm. There's so much bigger than that. And if you want your kids to get college paid for, there are way more uh, academic scholarships than about, there are athletic, about, athletic about ten scholarships. To one. About 10 to and 1. And that's yeah. where I would push them towards that direction. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my, my first thing is the fact that, yeah, there are different levels in terms of doing your research and money and different things like that. But my first thing would be, if you're doing this to chase a scholarship, you're going at it completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got, buddy? Yeah, you know, one of the things, too, in terms of the whole AU situation, you know, doing your research, the money, different things like that, working with them, is just knowing the reputation of the different clubs and coaches and stuff. Um, you know, and there, there's some research in that, too. Um, you know, there are certain coaches that you want to kind of direct them toward knowing what they're getting out of it. Like I know for some of the clubs, what will happen is if you're a part of it, they, you get so many skill workouts with them too. It's not Mm -hmm. just about playing five on five and going to this tournament and that tournament. They give you so many skill workouts. They teach you how to break down film. Um, you know, whether that's film on what to work on or film of an opponent and different things like that. And so just the different layers that are out there, um, you know, and making sure that you're aware of that side of it too. And make sure that when you sit down and you talk with the club, you know, one of the conversations that you're going to want to have in terms of things is how much do they do in terms of promoting the athlete and getting the athlete's name and different things out there. Because I know a lot of clubs, you pay a lot of money and you don't get a lot of bang for your buck. Like they don't provide you a film. They don't contact college coaches for you and different things like that. And so you've got to be aware of reputation and what all. So it never hurts to ask questions. And so sometimes what you might want to do as their high school coach is develop a list of questions to pass on to them so that when they go and do the club thing and kind of shop around a little bit, they know the right questions to ask in terms of what they're going to get mm-hmm. for their investment per se. Yeah, I like that, Tony. I like that a lot. Um, here's another thing I had. Uh, you want that AAU program to keep the focus on fundamentals and not running the, the, the system. So you're going to, you know, Bob's basketball team. Uh, and they're all about running, you know, something completely opposite of what you're running. There, we run one three one, you know, I, and I'm just using that as an example. We run one three one, and and we are the masters of the one three one at the AAU level. But if you're a man to man team or or you're whatever, uh, and, and if the if the program is more focused on, um, you know, winning summer games for the good of the program than it is improving the players fundamentally. To me, that's a really, really big red flag, Tony. Uh, you know, the purpose uh, of AAU should be, you know, two twofold uh, to get the kids more experience 
And and again, you know, it, it has evolved into they're going to get more exposure. They they just are. Uh, it's a lot easier for college coaches to go to an AAU tournament and see hundreds of kids in 48 hours than it is to go to a high school game on a Friday night and they're only watching two teams play. I completely understand that. I would do the same thing if I was a college coach. Uh, but when when they go to play for those AAU coaches, the, the, the spirit of the, of the concept is they're getting better for their high school team. And they need to, uh, that, that AAU program or that AAU coach will hopefully have a track record of improving his players fundamentally and making them better basketball players. And, and, that's, and that's what they're supposed to be doing. Most definitely. Um, when you take a look at it, it really is about development. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when you take a look at where kids are right now, you know, that's the thing is helping them improve their skills and get better. You know, as you were talking, some things jumped into my mind is, you know, if your your son or daughter is starting to play AAU in say third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever the case may be, and it's about playing, like you said, a zone, whether it's one, three, one, two, three, one, two, two, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of those kids are going to struggle because third, fourth, fifth grade, you know, in a zone, it's hard to knock down outside shots. Now, as they get older and stronger and different things like that, able to knock down the three and spread the zone out and so on and so forth, you've got that. The other thing I would be very careful of as well that you were kind of talking about too is if you are known for being a trapping team that full court presses. Now, that may go hand in hand with your high school. Um, it may not, but my point being, again, third, fourth, fifth grade, not the best ball handlers in the world, not the best passers in the world. And are you really helping them get better? Are you taking advantage of someone who can't dribble with both hands? Are you taking advantage of someone that can't dribble with their eyes up and pass the ball ahead to an open teammate? And is it about winning games or is it about developing players and help having them improve their skills and help the player put themselves in the best possible, be the best possible player that they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got, buddy? Um, you know, some things that I would I would take a look at too with with things is you're paying money to play, no doubt about that. So I would have a conversation with the AAU coach. We're all paying the same. Does that mean equal playing time, or is that say equal playing time? through two or three quarters and then we put the best players on the floor when the money's on the table mm-hmm. to try to win the game mm-hmm. um and so that's something that, that you have to have a conversation with as well because you know if you're paying twenty five hundred three thousand five thousand whatever the case may be and you're playing 10 minutes a game are you getting the best possible results from your investment i would say no and so but at the same time Maybe you're playing on the high-level team. You're having to earn your minutes and different things like that. And as you advance up, maybe it's what's what's best for you to play against those guys. Then it's going to help you develop your skills faster. And then you're going to be on the court more often. I don't know, but that that's just something in terms of philosophy and stuff like that that you've got to be aware of up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two more things. How many? How many more you got, Tony? I think I might have run out. Uh, I might have one more. I'll have to okay. if you if you talk through yours and it jogs something, I'll, I'll add in. And if not, we'll, we'll call it good. Let's let's see if we can spark something in the professor here. So, <laughs> um, two more things for me. Uh, you want to be sure that your AAU doesn't overcome 
or, or interfere with your high school team too much. Now, there, there's a good chance that there's probably going to be some overlap, that there's going to be a, a little bit of give and take. And, and as long as the AAU program realizes, hey, you can take here, but I need to take here. Um, and, and again, in large part, uh, AAU is pretty quiet in June, uh, you know, July and April and May are kind of their, their big months. And, and I know what, uh, what our programs do in our area is they really make practices optional and, and they have maybe like one practice a week and that's really optional with their kids because they know they're doing a lot of stuff with their high school teams during June. Um, but you, you don't want the AAU program trying to make itself more important than the high school program or to make that the real emphasis for the player. Um, we, again, there, there has to be some give and take. There's got to be some compromise. We talked about that at the top. Uh, but AAU isn't more important than high school, and high school isn't necessarily more important than AAU. Uh, but but there's 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 got to be that that give and take there, Tony. Uh, we we want, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys I used to work with, um, you know, he, he really changed some of my perspective on things because he said, hey, you know, when the kids are working with AAU coaches, you know, they're they, they, at the very least, the ball's going to be in their hands and they're going to be getting some good things done, which allows me to have more time with my family in the summer that I'm in the gym enough working with my program that I don't feel I'm as obligated to open up the gym for a couple extra hours every day or every week or whatever it may be. And, and so, you know that's the, the that's the positive part of it that you know your players are getting development in that regard, but you don't want one to become more important than the other. Yeah, and that was actually that that did kind of jog because that was my next point in terms of you know learning to work together. Because if you don't learn to work together, the one that loses isn't necessarily the high school program or the AAU program. The one who loses out if you can't work together. It's the player because you're putting them in the middle of a situation where two grown people, two adults should be able to have a conversation. You're not modeling skills for them that are real life, real world skills. And adults should be able to come together and figure that out. And with us, I don't don't necessarily know what the rules are in Nebraska is we can't work with our kids in April and May anyway. Um, That's that's a a no-no right now. And so, like you said, at worst, they've got a ball in their hands right they're doing something and they're they're going you know once or twice a week not not often but then they go and they play on the weekends um you know all over all over the country and then once we hit june our guys no expectation hey we leave you alone with your au program april may june is our time but the one thing that also kind of throws a monkey wrench in there iowa has summer baseball so we have to be willing to work with our high school baseball coaches as well but June's our time, and yep. so our guys know that on the weekends in, in June, you know, John's taking them to Des Moines, John's taking them to Ankeny, John's taking them to, I think they're going to Kansas City to an open live recruiting event in Kansas City in the month of June, and so he's working and doing that with them, and so our guys know, hey, this is that, and then once July rolls around, you know, they're going to be AAU primarily, but we still expect to see him here and there yeah. you know, for our workouts that we're doing several times a week. Um, but, you know, if, if they say, for example, they got back really late on a Sunday night and we're working out on Monday morning, we don't expect to see him in. We'll sure. see you on Tuesday once you get the batteries charged back up and we might go on a Thursday and they might be traveling on a Thursday to go somewhere on the weekend. Again, mm-hmm. 
we don't expect to see them on a Thursday in July. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, that's good stuff there, buddy. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. You gotta you gotta build in that downtime for your kids as well. So, um, you got anything else? I got one more thing. No, I'm let you conclude us. All right. I I think, and this kind of goes back to one of our earlier thoughts, Tony. I I think one of the the things that has caused uh, the most problems for high school coaches in the last 25 years and why our job as the high school coach gets more and more difficult is, and this is the, this is the downside to AAU, is there are unrealistic expectations built up from the AAU season when they come back to your high school team that you have to make them understand that, okay, you may have played for this team and this may have been your role for that team and this and that may have happened. And and I hope you got better. Uh, but, you know, this, you know, Billy and Bobby and Freddie and Pete did all of this stuff and you're, you're our number five option. Now you've moved up from the number six or number seven option to the number five option, which is good, but you're still not our number one option. And you might've been your number one or number two option for your AAU team or whatever it may be. Um, and, and I think where we see now, and, and I've said this before on the pod, Tony, uh, the, the biggest problem that we run into for high school coaches when it comes to parents at times is they feel like they've invested so much time and so much money into their child's sports career. And I'm not just talking about basketball. I'm talking about everything, softball, soccer, baseball, whatever it may be, that when that doesn't pay off in their high school situation with their high school team, it's not the kids' fault. It's not the it's, – it's, it, it falls onto one person. It, it's got to be the coaching, that their kid isn't, isn't either playing or not playing as much as they would like or they're not playing as well as they would like. And I think one of the things when they come back from that AAU season is to reestablish your standards, your expectations, and how that particular player fits into your program and your team for us right now going into the 23-24 season. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we talked about necessary evils. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the way things work. And I'm not knocking AAU. Again, I think the elite AAU programs are doing what we're talking about. But, but here's some things. Number one, you're paying to play. Yep. They want you to come back. They're going to tell you a lot of positives and maybe not so many negatives. Yep. And as a high school coach, that ratio might be less. I'll mm-hmm. just I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um on the AAU team. Um, you know, again, the elite teams are going to rebound, they're going to play defense, they're going to screen, they're going to do what it takes to be at that level. Some AAU programs do not. Like, hey, who wouldn't want to come down and chuck it from 25 feet, you know, after a pass or two, and then on the defensive end, that's kind of optional. And loose balls, I sure in the heck ain't diving on the floor uh, for that during AAU. And then you come back, you know, to the high school team, and wait a second – you expect me to guard and you expect me to talk and you expect me to scream and you expect me to block out. Yeah. You know, those are, those are, those are things that require, if we want to win, those are things that are required. Um, and so there's just a little bit different there. And then like you mentioned on your AU team, you might've been option one or two for us. You might be option three, four or five, or you might be, you know, the sixth player off the bench or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to accept that role. And, you know, I'm sure, some AAU programs talk about roles in order for us to be successful. We need you to do this. But again, 
um, you're going to have a lot more um, laid back is how I'll describe it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and I, and I think that, you know, again, that's, that's clear, consistent communication with players and with your, with your parents of this is where we are, you know, and, and we talked last week about exit interviews and what, uh, what, where we see our kids, you know, and, and I've literally, you know, I'll say, I kind of see you around, you know, number eight or number nine on our ladder coming into next year. Now, again, for your AAU team, you may be doing this and this and this. For us right now, now, if you jump, if you improve a lot, you can jump up from eight or nine to five, six, seven, or even higher. You know, it, it, it's, that's up to you, and that's why we want you to go out and play. But this is where it's at right now. And and I think that's, you know, when you, when you have to be fully transparent and tell some hard truths, uh, that that's where you know a lot of people sometimes don't want to hear hard truths, and that's why they're called hard truths, right, Tony? Yep. And you know, hey, Coach Billy tells me I'm all that in a bag of chips, and here you're telling me I've got these handful of things to work on. And you know, who wouldn't want to be told how great we are all the time? But well, that's that's not real life. Well, I think you're great, Tony. I appreciate it, Marty. You're not too bad yourself. Yeah, and you know who else is great? Coaches. Do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. You're up. Your darn tootin' Europe is great. Not quite REO Speedwagon, but doggone it. They're pretty doggone good, buddy. So, uh, hey, you know what? We forgot to do uniform numbers this week. Oh, yeah. I know people are sitting on pins and needles for that one. <laughs> do you, do you, and it's your it's your week for trivia. You've got to answer the question here. So do you oh, want, do you want oh, uniform? Hey, i got to answer the question. I'm going to say, I, you were giving me all kinds of compliments on my trivia question last week. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll miss one here to, to make everybody feel like well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Do you want uniform numbers first, or do you want the trivia question first? Oh, let's do let's do trivia because I'm, right. I'm by the time if I were to do uniform numbers into trivia, I'd, I'd be all burned out by then. <laughs> okay, and I don't want to stretch you out up there, Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, this afternoon, uh, the Miami Heat. 
defeated the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks in Game 1 of their Best of 7 series. Now, folks aren't going to hear this until Friday, uh, so we don't know where the series is going to be at, so forth and so on. Giannis is docky, or it might be over. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Jimmy Butler showed up like Jimmy Butler today, huh? So, uh, In the history of the NBA, Tony, how many times has the 8th seed upset the number 1 seed in the NBA playoffs? I want to say two. Is that your final answer? Yeah, let's go with it. That is incorrect. Dang it. <sighs> um, so I know that the Nuggets knocked off the Sonics. And then it seemed like there was one other one that wasn't that long ago. So I know there's at least two. So I'm going to go three. That is incorrect. Crap. I don't think it's been four. Four seems like too many. It's either one or four. Mm-hmm. Got 50-50 shot. Got a 50-50 shot. I, four seems like too many. I'm going to go one. You should have went four. <laughs> you should have went four. Story of my life. <laughs> I should have went four is the story of my life. <laughs> uh, you were correct with the Nuggets over the Sonics. Mutambu! Um, yeah. Um, that was 1994. The second time it happened was when the New York Knickerbockers defeated the Miami Heat minus Patrick Ewing. Yes! In 1999. The third, the third time was the We Believe Warriors over Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. In 2007, that's when Nowitzki won the MVP, and then he lost in the first round. So, And then the fourth time, and this is the one that folks probably would would not remember the most, the Grizzlies defeated the number one seeded Spurs in 2011. And people thought that the, the Duncan Spurs dynasty was over, and then they drafted this dude named Kawhi Leonard, and they ended up playing the kind beautiful. Of retooled. Yeah, kind of retooled, and they did all right there for two or three years. So uh, it happened. It's happened four times, buddy. Dang, where have I been? Yeah, sorry, man. Everything not paying attention. Yeah, but let's jump. Let's jump into your real area of expertise. <laughs> all right. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 12, 14, number 34s. And this is, I thought 33s were impressive, but then the 34s came up, and oh my goodness gracious, it is impressive. You know? Yeah. I don't. Want to start hoop? You can start hoop, you know. Charles Barkley. That is one. Akeem Olajuwon. That is two. And then I'm going to start to struggle. Um, how many hoops did we get? Were there 14 total? That's baseball, football, and basketball. Yep. Right? I, I got one, two, three, four more. Four more four hoops. Four more hoops. You recently Whew. just mentioned one of them. What's that? You recently just mentioned one of them. Like three minutes ago. Um... 
are you like is your is your brain that fried on just, grad classes is, that you that don't remember fried. three I, minutes ago with my assignments right now i'm surprised i'm not talking about apa citations and um because we were talking okay so he's had to deal with the trivia sonics it had to deal with the, the trivia question yeah was it during that one yes no the tumble's not 34 is no, he no no the reason for the trivia question was because this guy hurt his back today. Oh, our good friend Giannis. Yes. There you go. Okay. You got three more basketballers to go. Three more. So we're halfway home. Yep. John Bon Jovi said it once. We're halfway there. Living on a prayer. Yep. Um, we should get him next year instead of Europe. Oh, that would be awesome, actually. So, um, This guy was actually on last week's list, number 33. He's How can he be 33 and 34? Because he had 33 with another franchise, but when he played for the Lakers, he had number 34. Shaq. There you go. Okay. Uh, no matter what, this guy will tell you the truth. Paul Pierce. Yep. And he was a teammate of Paul Pierce. But he Which hit the team. Uh, well, when he wore. Because he uh, went to the Nets. No, uh, the last guy uh, was a teammate of Paul Pierce, and then he went to Miami. Ooh, Ray Allen. Ray Allen, there you go. That's the basketballers. And then okay. we've got one, two. Let's go football next. Three, four. We've got four footballers, all running backs. Walter Payton. Yep. Was Herschel? I didn't have Herschel on the list. I just, okay. I, I, Yeah. Everybody else is, okay. yeah, should have should have been in the Hall of Fame. We're all running backs, 34. Mm-hmm. The Tyler Rose. What's that? The Tyler Rose. Tyler Rose. Played for Bum Phillips. Oh, okay. We've got Earl Campbell. Yep. Um, Hall of Famer. Was Franco? Nope. I think he was 32. Okay. Um, uh, best running back of the 90s in the AFC. Played in four Super Bowls, lost them all. So be the Bills, Thurman Thomas. There you go. And uh, the best athlete that I've ever seen in my lifetime. He wore number 16 in another sport. Oh, Bo Jackson. There you go. All right. And now we got four baseballers. Dang. Uh, Barry didn't wear 34, did he, Bonds? Nope. He was 24. Okay. Four was there. Yeah. Um, I used to wear 24, too. Barry Bonds stole it from me. <laughs> Paid you for it? Yeah, he um, did. Yeah. I also wore sweatbands with my pictures with my picture on them. Uh, We're talking all position players or any pitchers? Got a pitcher, a third baseman, a center fielder, and a designated hitter. Holy crap, we got it all. Uh, Cecil Fielder. Cecil Fielder? No, 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 no. No, he was 45. Close. Uh, (laughs) This guy just went into the Hall of Fame last year. 
World Series hero multiple times for the Boston Red Sox. Designated hitter. Oh, David Ortiz. There you go. There's one. Uh, beat the crap out of Robin Ventura. Nolan Rocket. There you go. Uh, since World War II, highest batting average of any right-handed hitter. Center fielder. Center fielder in the state directly north of Iowa. Cody Pocket. Yep. And best fielding third baseman of all time. Last one. Brooks Robinson. There you go. You have ran the table. Ah. Yep. There you go. So you just give great hints. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's 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 what you I do. You the sixty-four thousand dollar pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I <laughs> give great hints, and my garage smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Oh, NBA playoffs tops on your list, Tony. Definitely. Um, you know, I was I was talking about this with my son-in-law yesterday. Um, you know, to me, it, it you know you've got to get up for I would guess fifteen twenty regular season games in the NBA. Yep. As a player. Yep. And then the other ones, you kind of you know do whatever. But when you get to the playoffs, it's serious the entire time. They play defense. Um, they play the game the right way. It is the best basketball in the world. And yep. I don't even think it's close. Yep, I would agree. I was just saying that to my wife, how fun it is to watch NBA playoff basketball. It's 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 a good time. It's 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 just it's just another it's just another level. So Yeah, it's uh, unreal. Yeah. So um Okay, well hey, that's it, buddy. I I, I think we're we're both there. So um Which series are you looking are you watching the closest? I I think I, I, I tell you what I had a great time watching the Sacramento Golden State game last that night. That was unbelievable last oh, night. Oh, that was fun. And you know the desperation of the Sacramento fans and just Steph Curry is so good. He is yes. so good. He's so he's good. stupid good. Stupid good. He's Tony Viss good. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you know, he he is. Uh, I mean. You know, he he just does things. He he has a gravity to him on the floor that no one else. I, I mean, every time the guy shoots the ball, it just strikes fear into the away crowd. I mean, every yeah. time he, he he you know, even with that shot that he put up, he was shooting it like off of one leg, off balance, one handed from twenty six feet, and you were surprised that last shot didn't go in to tie the game. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and so he, he's just unbelievable to to watch. I, I hope um, now again. You know, LeBron James is a all around better basketball player. I I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, but but Steph Curry just just has just that that gravity about him. Uh, absolutely has changed the game in in so many different ways. And you know, it's it's he's just he's just so much fun to watch. Um, I give you two things. One, LeBron's better. I would agree with that. Yeah. But Steph has changed the game more than LeBron has. Correct. And two, I just think Reggie Miller was the best I had ever seen at moving without the ball. No longer think that. I mean, he yeah. runs, I don't know how many miles, but yeah. it's insane. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's like a marathon runner out there. Only he's coming off screens and defending and doing this and doing that. Um, and, yeah, he's he's just he's unbelievable. Um, like I said, he, he, he's just... He's changed the game. He's changed the game, and and uh, he's the guy that I would pay to go watch. Number one, number one guy I would go pay to watch in the NBA would be Steph, and he's the guy that if I could be anybody in the NBA, it would be him. Yeah, to be able to make shots that far out, I don't know, just something about that. I know it's only worth three, but in all honesty, when he hits it from you know twenty eight thirty feet out. It could be easily four or five points in terms of the momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, he's 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 great, and and so that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I I don't I, I don't think there's going to be. I, I think there's a couple of of series in the East that are not gonna, like I think Boston's going to kick the snot out of Atlanta, and mm-hmm. I, and I think Philadelphia is going to handle Brooklyn fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think every other series, especially if Giannis is hurt uh, and out for a couple, couple, couple more games, I mean, that could get really, really interesting. I think every series in the West has a chance to be interesting in its own way. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's got a little March Madness feel to it in that, we don't know who the champion is going to be. You know, for no. for three years, we knew the Warriors were going to be the, the champions or in the finals. I mean, it was just, you know, and if when like they didn't when they didn't win it, we were stunned. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think this has much more of a March Madness type of feel to it, where about anything could happen here, and it's and Sacramento's crowd is collegiate like. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's nothing better than, you know, it, it's just like. Uh, being at a high school where you go on that first big run as as a high school program and the the communities behind you we had that with our boys program last year when they made it to the state semifinals um, it, just that excitement that energy that comes about the whole thing is is so much fun and you're kind of seeing that in Sacramento as well they, I agree. They, it, they, it's been so long since they've had success that they're just 16 so years hasn't it yeah 16 years since they made the playoffs. So and I saw somebody the other day tweeted, I'm still waiting for Bobby Jackson and Mike Bibby to sub in. <laughs> well, Doug Christie's one of their assistant coaches, you know, so. He might play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vlade Divac might be on the, the end of the bench with a carton of Marlboros or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. 50 Cent was there. <laughs> you know, Vlade's down there. Put me in, coach, you know. <laughs> I'm good for a couple of minutes. I, 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 can, I can flop a little, you know. Uh yeah, so, um, all right, buddy. Uh, great episode this week. A lot of really, really good points. Uh, terrific, terrific stuff. Hope folks enjoyed this. Uh, episode 34 of the coaching staff working with AAU. And like Tony and I said, uh, this is not mutually exclusive anymore. If, if you're going to be a quality high school program, you're going to have players that are going to be playing AAU. And it is important that you make this situation work. And, and so hopefully we gave you some things to think about this week to help your kids, to protect your program, to have open lines of communication with AAU coaches, and, and just to make the whole situation, like Tony said at one point, make it about the kids and not about the parents, not about the adults, not about the coaches or any of that stuff. Let's do what's best for the kids. And so I think Tony did a great job with bringing that up. So... 
Unfortunately, Chad Angel will be unable to join us once again. So sorry, folks. But coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 